So, you ready to start a podcast? Well, Spotify for Podcasters is the absolute perfect solution. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters. They make it super easy to record and edit right from your computer. And not only that, it lets you distribute your content everywhere and even earn cash. And the best part, it's absolutely free. You literally have no excuse. So I suggest you go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters and start creating today. They cheated on you. They are not responsible for your healing. Oh, I know wow. you didn't say that. How you gonna say that? What are you talking about? They did this because them making amends and them doing their work has is separate and it may impact you in your healing, but that's their process and their work. They need to make amends. But you you have to do your work and you have to get your healing because some of us gonna be stunted for a year, some of us are going to be for five, six if we let it because we already had issues because we're individuals and I have to get my own healing. I got to do my own work, True. you know, and he can't do it for me. You know what I'm saying? He can just be an aide or if he's not being an aide in the process, then I need to make a choice and move on. But I'm still responsible for it. That's because I know I've got to to uh, to give and to grow. I'm not trying to get and take. <laughs> Welcome to Harley Initiated. It is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, here with another episode of my co-host, Ryan Ketchins. Yeah, so listen, things are getting a little spicy, right? Because the members are demanding certain couples, certain experts to come on the show. So we gave in, and we give you exactly what you want. And to quantify it, y'all, 21 years of what you want. Look at this couple right here, y'all. 21 years of marriage in the flesh, 28 years total yeah. of a union. Mm -hmm. And we are here rocking with a, oh man, some marriage experts, y'all. <laughs> some marriage experts. That Listen, now that I've been studying and really understanding this marriage game, for you to be an expert yeah. at marriage, you know some things. Okay. That's so I'm super excited to have this couple here on the platform here with us. We are rocking with Aize mm -hmm. and <laughs> you help me out? Iana. Iana, Jesus Christ. That's easy. Aiza, Aize and Iana. I've been struggling with the name all day, y'all. I apologize. They're very similar, very similar. Very similar names. And you actually even just said you recently changing it. To, to, Not to, recently. I changed it 21 years ago. 21 years. What, what did your name be, mean, by the way? Uh, it means let it come. It's Zulu. Mm. Mm hmm. Let it come. Did, yeah. did you do the same, or you've? No, my mama gave me my name. Okay. <laughs> so I changed my first. I changed my first and last name, um, and I kept my middle my my former middle name as uh, my, my former first name as a middle name because my parents created that. So the whole motivation behind it was that I wanted to affirm uh, my African identity, and so I was doing a whole bunch of research back in college and doing some studying. And so what I said was that like I want a name that really reflects my personality, who I am, and what I've been studying. And so. I um, Like I said, I chose the name Ayize, uh, which means let it come in Zulu. And then I chose mm. the last name Ma'at, which means truth, justice, righteousness, reciprocity, balance, order, and peace. Mm. Yes. And so I wanted to embody mm. those principles. And then I kept my former first name, which was Myrell. My parents created that, and that was uniquely African-American. And, um, and then I dropped the former last name and then the former middle name. And then I added another middle name, Kimathi, which means earnest provider. Man, Aiza, shout out to it. Yeah, yeah, my real, that's the hood name, my real right there. That's the hood name. I'm still rocking with my hood name, Tyshawn, so right, right. I might have to go ahead and pull a change on mine too. But listen, y'all gonna like this episode, y'all, because in this episode here, we are talking 
to you about. And we're going to make sure y'all understand, are you really ready for marriage? We're going to talk about it. Are you ready? Are you prepped? Is the person that you're dating, are they even qualified for the situation? So I guess a good segue into the conversation is just to ask, when you hear the phrase, are you ready for marriage or is somebody ready for marriage? What does that even mean? What does it mean to be ready for marriage? So when I think about the idea of being ready for marriage, um, what I'm thinking about is your willingness to be transparent, your willingness to be vulnerable, your willingness to confront self, like your willingness to have real honest conversations with you. Look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, yo, I got spaces and places where I need to grow. And at the same time, too, I know that I'm not coming fully equipped, and um, but I'm willing to put in the work. And so the people that are ready for marriage are the ones that are actually recognizing where they are, recognizing the legitimacy and the truth about what it is that they got to do to get to the next level, and they're willing to do it. And so mm-hmm. readiness is about the willingness, but also the willingness to see self where you are. So it's a combination of both. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things that you hear, um, and this is this is very popular, that women look for a man that's a finished product. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, even in my personal dating experience, one mm-hmm. of the things that I communicate is, hey, I'm not ready because I have some things I have to work on. Mm-hmm. So do you have to be fully complete or have some level, mandatory level of self-sufficiency before you move uh, forward with a marriage? Hell no. I mean, if, if that was the prerequisite, then we wouldn't be here right now. Mm. We started, we started, we're high school sweethearts. So we started a long time ago and I wasn't fully complete and I'm not fully complete now. That's right. And so the reality is that there's a growing process that's going to be taking place over the course of our life. And um, it would be doing an injustice to myself, but also to my wife to think that where we are right now is where we're going to, what what the final destination is. And so, Mm. no, you don't have to be complete. You just got to be willing to put in the work to become better. Yeah. So, so basically you're saying I'm, I'm not willing to put in the work. I'm not saying that, nah. I mean, the the question is whether or not you're willing to take the next step. And so if you're willing to take the next step and you're willing to work while you're taking the next step, then yeah, I mean, you can can do it. But a lot of people run from that. Like, we got so many men um, inside of our community that run from it, so many men outside of it, so many women as well that run away and shy away from doing the work. I tell people all the time, like, I can't do your push-ups for you. You got to do your own damn Mm push-ups. And so when that takes place, then that's that work that you got to put in. You know, when I hear that, though, I I still think some parts of me still think it is some kind of minimum, you know, skill sets or game you need to come with to really have success in it. Because it's almost like if I compare it to like entrepreneurship, I think it's very similar. You got to be willing to work, willing to solve the problems, willing to take those extra steps. But if you still have not mastered some very, you know, basic concepts, I really don't think that venture is for you. So if you had to think about marriage before somebody takes on marriage for real, mm-hmm. what are some things that they probably need to embody for them to, you know, for, for it to increase the likelihood that they can be successful in marriage? Let me, if I can, let me just expound upon what I usually saying. So you're right, but you're not right. Let me tell you why. So the reason is, is because what we say all the time is relationship work is personal work. Mm-hmm. And it's about mindset. Mindset is everything. So here's the thing. We can, if we, if willingness, it's kind of like, um, I used to manage folks back in the day in my nine to five, and I used to think, oh, I want the person who comes with all these skills and has all these things and has everything together because I don't have time to be like trying to teach them everything. But then when they came, they was like know-it-alls and they weren't trying mm-hmm. to give, you know, be open to feedback and that kind of thing. And so I started to look at people who did not have all of the stuff together, but they were open, open. 
they were willing. They were really, really open to me saying, you know, you got to have a spirit of self-awareness. Like, give me feedback and be honest with me. I'm going to give you feedback and be honest with you. We, we, we on that tip. So, I, so, you, so you're not totally wrong. You do want to have some baseline things. And I think some of those baseline things are self-awareness, uh, a desire to grow, a willingness to own some things, an, an ability to understand that the relationship is a place to go give, not to go get, which is where most people get things off. They think they're going to get something to go to be happy. Hmm. You got to go to give. And when you learn to go to give, then you automatically get blessings on you. But you have to have the right mindset. So I think that the mindset is one of the number one things that we see that people have. Hmm. People come to us funky, messed up, not having sex, overcoming all kinds of things, communication issues, and they want us to tell them the steps. I say all the time, you could go Google the steps. <laughs> right. the, step, the steps, that's, they're not hard. They're usually not that complicated. But what we got to work with you on right now is your mindset and maybe your connection. We're not even going to deal with the issue because your connection is off, and that's one of the number one things we talk about is, is your heart open? Because guess what? If my heart ain't open, I could get all the steps, but I don't want to be bothered with you. I don't, I'm not motivated to do none of that because I don't feel you. You know what I'm saying? I can't feel you. And so you got to be connected. And the, the ability to connect with someone else is predicated on how connected we are to ourselves and how in touch we are with our own feelings, again, self-awareness. So I think that piece gets lost because people externalize a lot when they think about relationships and marriage. You know, what's happening and you need to bring this and what are they doing? No, no, no. What about you? What about you? What about you? It's relationship work. It's personal work mm -hmm. all day, every day. Either people are going to grow with you and elevate with you, or you're going to find that you outgrow them. Either way, you don't have to be stuck because of somebody else. It's the work that you have to do. So that piece around mindset and awareness, I think, is yeah. really, really big. So mm -hmm. now, I, I agree with you that how important and relevant the mindset is. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things, we had one of our all-time best episodes. We had the legendary T.K. Kirkland join us on the episode. Mm -hmm. Very edgy episode so so be careful with that one but <laughs> but one of the things that he mentioned is that a man even before dating he should have a certain uh, amount of income stashed away mm -hmm. and before marriage it was even a higher amount i want to say was it seventy five thousand or something like yeah. that so is it possible to have the mindset of financial independence and abundance and stability but then not actually have the the it, and not have manifested does if you have the mindset even though the finances haven't yet manifested would you still encourage that person to pursue a serious long-term relationship absolutely yes okay that's that's our story yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean yeah. and it's so many it's the story of so many people inside of our community and so when you ask the question about what are the prerequisites like i mean the work that we do is fundamentally based off of the fact that most of the people that are coming to us are broken and so we're building you up from a space of brokenness. Nobody is coming to us all put together. So brokenness may include actually being broke. It may actually include that, yeah. And, and, and again, but what I will say is that that's why we speak about mindset, willingness, because if you have a desire and a willingness to not stay in that condition, not to make that your permanent destination, then you're going to do something different. And so we also speak about boundaries, drawing clear boundaries and saying enough is enough. And I can't oh, deal with this for a period of time or I can't deal with this no more. But if it's a situation in which you've started a relationship, yes, you should have some standards. Yes, you should have some norms or things that you're looking for. But if you make the decision to get into that and he's unwilling to work, then bounce, bounce. Mm. If he's unwilling to like be accountable and take ownership for what he's doing or not doing, then you got the right to make the decision to leave and vice versa too. But what I'm saying is that it doesn't mean that it has to be like, no, I'm not going to deal with him or her because he ain't got nothing. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, he can, he's, he, 
if finances is all that's required, then what about the other tangible things that could also be brought to the relationship that may even be the inspiration that motivates him later on or her later on to get the finances that you're looking for? Now, look, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> but I, 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 I want you to let us know. I mean, you dealing with these these single ladies, some married ladies. Mm-hmm. Are they really willing to accept a broke man? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little story. It's our story. Early on in our relationship, in our marriage, um, and we have we're parents of five. We set up, so we got a lot of kids, right? And yeah, we, I got a we, basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I was attracted to him because he had an entrepreneurial spirit. He was always selling something, and he wanted to do something big and create a legacy. And I was like, yeah, me too. One day I want to be in the nine to five. I want to do my own thing. And so I love that about him. And so we got married. We got married young. We're twenty four, and um, and so as we moved along, you know, he was like, I want to, you know, get out here and do some things. I said, that's cool. I'm going to be working, right? But I, then we had one baby, and we had two, and we had three, right? And it kept coming. And I was like, bro, you need to get a job, sweetheart. Like, you're going to have to do something different. This is not working, mm. right? Like, I'm holding it down. Um, and after a while, like, we can't keep, like, going like this. And guess what he said to me? What you say to me? Nah. <laughs> I'm trying to build. I remember them conversations. I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build. I'm trying to yeah. make it, you know, better for us. I'm, I'm building something big. It's a legacy. I'm like, but the light bill is due tomorrow. Mm. So I know what you're talking about, but we, we need this right now. So I'm sharing that story because when I tell you that was one of the most trying, stretching, frustrating times in my life. We were in therapy for about a year yeah. or so. And I remember saying to our therapist, like, when is this going to be over? Like, I can't be dealing with this. My mom asked me one day, like, so... How long are you going to be dealing with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but let me, let me paint the picture. But my husband had so much more to offer me than just what he was, you know, able to bring. But I was holding him accountable every day. Oh, no, we're going back to therapy. And no, I'm not okay with it. And mm-hmm. I know you got a vision, but this is not working for me. And he's, he was able, he can tell you himself, to see where his blind spots were. But he was bringing me compassion and love and leadership. Um, he was bringing me good sex. He was bringing me consideration. He was bringing me, um, he's such a cool, smooth, Pisces spirit. I'm a fiery Leo. He was bringing me the ability to understand what it means to be patient even in that process with his mm. own growth. So people, again, think that whatever I'm dealing with, oh, my God, no, I can't deal with this because, you know, it's a given. You ain't coming correct. No, but what is God doing in it? What are you supposed to be growing? What are you supposed to be mm-hmm. um, developing even in yourself? So we, we got past that, and it felt like it was the end of the world at the time. I was like, I can't believe this bull, right? But that is eons, light years uh, ago, and he, we, we were young. And he was developing and growing, maturing, maturing. So how do we let people get some gas? What's what we call it? Gas, grace, and space in the process of relationship. And it's like you got to get here, get here, get here. That's just not real life. Well, how did the power dynamic impact the relationship? I mean, were you? What is, was it ever a point where you got to the point where maybe you were losing respect for him as a as the leader of the family, or you um, you know you had some. Like, I'm just trying to figure out how deep did it go? Like, how yeah. dark did it go during that time? Was it ever a time where you felt like, hey, now I have to leave the relationship because my man is not doing what he's supposed to do? Now, there was something, there's something called the Iana Shake. I shared this with some of our members. I did fall out on the bed one day and was like, I can't take this no more. I can't take this. And then I was like, I was like, oh, we were having a conversation. It was like for the 500th time, right? Right. And I was like, I just can't take this. And I was like feeling like he's not really getting what I'm saying. And then I fell back on the bed. Then I was like, let me, I was very conscious of what I was doing. I was like, just. I just fell all over. And he was like, what in the world? I was like, let me just go ahead and shake this thing out. Um, I had a little conniption. I think that was a little <laughs> bit of a turning movement uh, point. He was like, oh, hell. So I definitely felt that. But 
Um, I didn't lose respect for Ayize because um, we communicated like hell. And I'm not saying we communicated perfectly. I was screaming at the top of my lungs at times, and mm -hmm. he was shutting down and walking away from me yeah. while I was following after him. Then we go to therapy. We, but, we, but we were committed to being in relationship and figuring it out. And I had so much, uh, I'm telling you, I had so much other stuff to fill me up in the relationship, but it was still a pain point, and I would not let it go. But, but if I didn't have anything else, right, then, and this is how we came up with what we know to be true, that people, human beings, focus on the problem and the pain anyway. Mm. But when you do that, you really, that becomes your reality. I didn't know that at the time. Like, what got us through that and rough times that we had it was the ability to see like I got this good and we do this good we have some great sex we got some good kids we we are homies we have fun he listens to me he never was like get out my but you know we were just conversing mm -hmm. and talking and sometimes arguing but we were coming back again and again and again until we resolved it you wow. know when I'm hearing that that the money issues man it just seems it's so interesting because you had so many good things mm -hmm. that you were getting from your man but because the money wasn't right it really put you in a very 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 stressful position and that just shows me how much weight that money has on mm -hmm. the success of a relationship like mm -hmm. it's a really big part yeah. about and you know yeah. whether or not the couple's probably gonna win or lose mm -hmm. and the recent one that I didn't even really I knew it was a big problem but I didn't know was because you even mentioned it. It was right. like the second one. Whenever you start naming the good things, it's good sex. Mm. You kept mentioning it. I was getting good sex. Good sex. It's always been and hidden. It's important, though, that intimacy is also another very successful part. And when the intimacy is not good in relationships, I do notice that's almost similar to the money not being good. Yes. Like, it's all, it almost yeah. has a similar weight to it. In you guys' experience, do you see any one of those being worse in relationships and causing more turmoil? Is it the money oh, not being right oh, no, or no. is it the sex not being right? No, it's connection. And connection being, uh, be, whether it's sex or whether it's emotional connection, what have you, we get folks in front of us all the time. And I'm trying to assess, like we ask them a, seri a series of questions, like how much do y'all have sex and what's your chemistry like and how was it when y'all first got together? How, you, how would you rate it now? Like all these different things. And if their connection is not good, and especially if they say, and I don't really ever feel like it was really all that popping, there was a lot of circumstances that brought us together, we're good friends, you know, I'm like, oh, we're we in trouble. Mm. Because connection, y'all, is the thing that sustains um, the relationship when you don't have anything else. Money will not sustain a relationship, but if you connect with somebody, if you, if you feel them and they feel you, you, you know that they understand you, they accept you fully, this is the only place you have this in the world, that thing blows every other thing out of the water. And I, that has been my experience. You know, mm -hmm. I, I cannot imagine not having my husband. I, I had daddy stuff, my daddy wasn't around, and then I had, you know, my stepdaddy came in and you know, uh, filled in the gap, but I had those, that typical you know, absent father on off or whatever. This man showed me what it was, was to really be loved and to, to love me unconditionally. And outside of that, he showed me patience and grace and all these other things. So I'm just saying, connection, people be sleeping on that thing. That, that's yeah. like our number one prescription. Like, oh, oh, I know you want to resolve the issue, but connection over conflict always, because the conflict will always be there. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you guys talked about is that you got married at an early age, right? Oh, yeah. And remind us, you know, how old you were? 24. Mm -hmm. 24. So... 
that's so young to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so young. I just can't imagine mm-hmm. getting married that freaking young. Mm-hmm. Do you think that younger couples just face very unique challenges because of lack of experience? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, when we were younger and, you know, just we also had a child before we got married, too. So um, right when we were getting married, our child was walking down the aisle with us. So it was mm-hmm. that type of dynamic. And, and um, yeah, we definitely experienced. I mean, financial hardship was one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other piece, too, was just the growing identities, you know, yes. getting a better understanding of self, who you are, what you want, what you want to become. Um, that right there was a struggle for us, too. The other piece was, you know, I'm still trying to develop as a man. So I'll speak from just my perspective. Um, being a new father, being a husband, while I did in many respects wear it as a badge of honor, it took me seven years to get there. It took me seven years to drop down on one knee and to propose to my woman. Mm-hmm. So, so again, um, there was some hesitancy. Even I knew she was for me. There was this whole mindset like I don't need no type of certification for this to be my woman. Like I can just <laughs> she might she mine she right. mine and 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 so. But yeah, the unique challenges were really around the finances. The unique challenges were also around the communication, how we manage conflict. Um, sometimes, actually, early on in our relationship, the unique conflict too was around just cutting off people that didn't need to be um, mm-hmm. anymore in our relationship. In people terms have of a friends. big issue with that. Yeah, in terms of external friends, whether it be male or female, um, for me personally, mm-hmm. just cutting them off and, and saying like, I'm turning toward my wife. And the same thing for her too. Mm-hmm. That was a challenge. I, cause I, so I, I we definitely want to dive into some of those communication mm-hmm. issues. Cause I think that's a huge part of relationships as well. But, um, you know, one of the things that I'm a bit apprehensive about is my lack of experience when it comes to long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. So I, I really haven't had a healthy long-term, not, not, I mean, really not any, except for like one long-term situation. And I don't consider it very serious because I wasn't very serious. Mm-hmm. So now that I know that I want to wait a few years before I engage in a potential for a long-term relationship, mm-hmm. one of my... Um, one of the things I'm apprehensive about is not having enough experience. Is that wrong of me to think that I can have a less likely chance of succeeding in a long-term relationship because I haven't had practice, because I haven't had some level of heartbreak and, and so forth? So, so run that back for me because what it sounds like you're saying is that I have, I'm hesitant about having a long-term experience or long-term relationship yeah. because I haven't had the experience. Right. But the only way to get the experience of having a long-term relationship is to actually have the long-term relationship. So are you just saying relationships in general or? Well, if I engage in a long-term relationship, I'm thinking how well could it go if this is the first one that I'm really getting into mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. So it's like, should I, in, I don't want one, but should I, you know, is, is there like how, what kind of practice can I get? You know what I mean? How do I know I'm ready if I've never, ever mm. been in one? Why are you analyzing it so deep like this? Yeah. Instead of, I mean, like, real talk, like, why are you analyzing it versus just, um, like, okay, I'm gonna get out here and I wanna be in a relationship, I'm gonna date, I'm gonna see what's up, and it may go for mm. a few months and that, and then, well, might, this might be the one, but I'm just gonna let it be. Mm. So I'm curious as to. I just do don't wanna you, get it wrong with the right person, you oh, know what I mean? Okay. So I'm like, you know, do I continue to just casually date until mm-hmm. I'm say, hey, I'm ready to look for a wife, mm-hmm. or should I try to engage in something in between mm-hmm. to get, so I can get to the 
three months, the six months, the year, and get to these different levels of the relationship to kind of see how I would nap. I hate to say it like that. <laughs> I'm not trying to ruin those young ladies' life. You know what I mean? I need to practice on you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, but a lot of the things that you learn is from experience. So if you yeah. don't have experience, how can I know for certain that I'm going to be ready? Okay. So, so, oh, 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 go ahead, man. I just got to say this. This is one of the things that we talk about, too, that people want too much certainty. They want too much certainty in their relationships. And this is probably with most things in life. And we got to detach from this piece of needing um, certainty because that allows us to be vulnerable and to really drop our shoulders and just be present. Just be present in whoever you're engaging with. You know, should I do, you know, a few people, not do a few people, you know what I'm saying? Do a lot of people. (laughs) You're already doing that. Deal with with a few people right before. But one of those people might be somebody who you want to deal with longer and you actually want to engage with. I don't think you should think about it that way. I think you should just be present and get out here and, Mm. and, um, and don't try to get it right. Just try to be present. Mm-hmm. If you just try to be present and be honest um, and have some, some level of self-awareness, ask for feedback, you know what mm. I'm saying, give feedback, and you have somebody who's, who's cool with that, I think you'll be fine. But the only way to it, whatever the it is, in this case, a long-term committed relationship, is through it. Mm. It means you have to go through the actual dealing with and, people. Oh, I and like and I want to normalize, too, the fact that when you get into any relationship, specifically a long-term relationship, like there's going to be a bunch of fuck-ups along the way. Mm. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be beef. There's going to be tension. And so the idea that you're going to exist in a relationship with the absence of any of that stuff is really unrealistic. And I think that sometimes we try to shelter ourselves and avoid um, those those challenging situations by just ducking it and sidestepping it all together. I do want you know to just really lift up that it's going to be there. It's going to be present. And um, going into the relationship, if you move with that understanding, then you know that when it comes, I mean, it's... it's Ain't no half-stepping. Like, I'm just going to move right through it. One thing that I say in our community all the time is that when it comes to, um, you know, people shying away from stuff, not only is not only are challenges a normal part of being in relationship, but the other piece, too, is that it's all about your ability to be around people and to borrow somebody else's belief mm. when you're going through an experience. So when you see more, so when you say, how do I know that I can do it? If you see me doing it, then it can become an inspiration to you. If you see another brother doing it, then it also becomes an inspiration, too. So you don't know simply because you may not be exposed mm. or the people that you hang out with don't do it. Mm-hmm. We got 28 years together, 21 years married, and, and so we ain't the only ones out here. Right. Y'all <laughs> interview a rack of people like that, and so yeah. it's out here, so if we can do it, why not you? Mm-hmm. Man, I think that's so good, by the way. You, that that line on certainty and people wanting that, mm-hmm. that is just so true. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was first trying to get into entrepreneurship and quit my job and leave. And I was talking to all my homies about, mm-hmm. you know, potentially doing it. And I, they was treating me like I was some kind of runaway slave or something. They were like, what you trying to do? Like, no, 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 no. We got to get this right. We got to do that first. We did that. We did that. And I'm just like, what, what y'all scared of? Like, what you yeah. talking about? No. Like, it's hell over here. I'm not trying to be over here doing this. I, whatever comes with that decision, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever hell comes on that other side, Damn. I'm with it. Damn. But, you know, I... I I, I agree that just, I think we just have, you know, just certain tolerances based on, mm-hmm. you know, our value system and what we really want to, what we're mm-hmm. willing to tolerate mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. in general, because we, we got lower tolerances for certain things in life That's true. absolutely, and higher tolerances for yep. other things. We probably don't even need to have high tolerances for <laughs> right. and, and I'm going to ask you that too, because I think that goes into, you know, us actually talking about some things and being identified things and the type of people we should not be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause let's talk about that because 
if I'm dating somebody mm-hmm. as a young man, mm-hmm. like I think there is because it's mindset. Like you said, that's a good part. It's mindset. Mm-hmm. Certain mindsets I need to be staying away from. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What are some things? In a young lady, in particular, to coach me. Okay. Right? Uh, none for ladies, for me. <laughs> if I'm if I'm speaking to a young lady, we having conversations. What are some things in this young lady mindset that if I hear, I need to be staying away from? Uh, you need to be staying away from. So I think um, one of the first things you you all kind of spoke to it before um, is somebody who um, you, there, we had a client back in the day who would say um, he's surfacing me. My man is always surfacing me. We were like, what? surfacing they keep it surface the the conversation that you're having the kind of dialogue that you're having the kind of questions that they mm. they ask you just kind of stay on the surface small talk it, mm-hmm. it, and and some people really that's all they ever do it never because you know you got to get to know somebody gradually right so yeah. you're not going to go too deep out, right off the top but if 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 somebody is staying on the surface most of the time or you perhaps even give an indication that we can go a little further and talk a little bit more and they just are kind of like huh you know and just keeping it surface i for one some people are comfortable with that because it doesn't challenge you but I for one think that that's um, an indicator that that person perhaps only is willing to go but so far in terms of vulnerability in terms of um, their deeper thinking um, and substantive kinds of dialogue and conversation I think the other piece too is I I see these people out here on these internet streets and they talking about what y'all talked about earlier um, what are you doing and what can you do for me what you're supposed to provide for me what you need to give for me this is what a man's supposed to do these strong these strong gender roles, okay, <laughs> and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to show up, I think that these things are damaging. So I don't, first of all, we are very traditional in a lot of ways. I don't take no trash out, okay? Mm. <laughs> and he cooked, but I don't prefer he not, though, right? And I'm like, get out, get out, get out, get out my kitchen, right? Like, there, there are some, some ways that we are um, where he pushes me to the side. I'm like, okay, right, I'll fall back, all of that. But... There are a lot of uh, women who have this sense that you're supposed to come and just take care of her, that a, a relationship from our perspective is divinely designed that we both elevate one another, that I expose things in you that may, you know, irritate you, but they also elevate you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That we kind of, you know, have this this friction that should be happening. Healthy friction. Right? Mm-hmm. Healthy friction, but then we can also come together and have synergy. But if you're supposed to be giving me, and I hear that a lot from women who are looking for a man to come and take care of them and provide, and then men, are, I don't know if y'all be into all of that. They just soak it all up, like, yeah, I'm a provider, and I do this when I do that, <laughs> you know, I just think that that is um, oftentimes men being set up to get the short end of the stick, that you can't be poured into, that you're not to be looked out for, and that you have this weight on you, and sometimes you don't even know what the answer is. You can't figure it out. Why can't you team together? So I think that kind of a thinking is a mindset issue, and a lot of times it takes a lot to flip that kind of mindset because people are reared that way. Yeah. They're reared to believe that, mm, right. and they like, and, and their daddy was like that, and their mama believed it. So, I'm, y'all, you might be cool with that, but I think it actually stunts relationship growth for the couple as a whole. So they protect that's black so, men. That's so good because mm-hmm. so pretty much, watch out for the, pe- the 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 woman who wants to be a hundred percent taken care of, and yeah. it's not just as focused on bringing value Absolutely. to the relationship. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really see that as much in older relationships because you. I know that you said like, you know, watch out because you may have seen your grandma and stuff like that. But in my in my experience, mm-hmm. when I when I think about the older women in relationships, 
if anything, those were the women I was like really working the double shifts. That's mm-hmm. true. Like those true. were the women that was they still had to work a job because yeah. most of the black men, especially in our families, were not rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know they still had to do some level of work, right. even if it was light. They had to clean or do something on the side. Mm-hmm. They were still taking care of family. They were still doing mm-hmm. these things. So they were still much so they were traditional, mm-hmm. but they were still bringing a ton of value yeah. to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but see now. It's a little bit different. It is kind of like the the powder princess mm-hmm. era, almost soft where life, soft life. And, and, and I'm not. I don't want to even go too hard on myself. I I appreciate the soft life sisters if they are embracing the gifts and are also focused on giving the gifts yes. that the soft life yes. woman gives, yes. and not necessarily just wants to bring her gift of beauty yeah. to the table mm-hmm. and expect the beauty to literally be enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Which That's I think right. is the scary thing. And I've heard a lot of men, I don't know if a, well, the women know this, but in, in the barbershop conversations, mm-hmm. the men are actually very apprehensive yeah. about dating very beautiful, like mm-hmm. on the and the higher spectrum of beautiful women really? because in today's generation, a lot of those women feel like that's the asset. Right. Like, this is all I have to do is be beautiful, uh-huh. and that is enough. Mm-hmm. Really? That's the thing. A lot of the wow. guys see it as, as high risk. So yeah. you would even hear guys say, like, I like, yeah, because because of the maintenance. Yeah. But you would hear guys say, hey, you know, get you a seven or eight <laughs> in terms of physical attraction. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that, that's, a, that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, I think the thing is because, uh, it's like, because it's a fine line between interdependence and codependency, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of men are assuming that these women are going to be codependent. And now I don't want to just say this just to women too, because it's men too, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's ladies out there, they man at home, laying on the couch, Uh asking for a sandwich. And they look at him like, damn, did you forget how to eat? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? So like, how do you differentiate between somebody who is interdependent, healthy, healthy interdependence mm-hmm. versus somebody who's maybe on a polar end of unhealthy codependence. Yeah, so one of the things that we've seen um, just in the work that we do is that when it comes to the whole piece around codependency, um, there's a certain element of control that's present there. And so people often don't speak about that aspect, but codependency is about really wanting to um, have things the way that you want it, but you do it from a space of demonstrating that I need you. I need you to be with me. I need this from you. I want to be with you. And so, Thank but you. that's really about you controlling the space because that's what keeps you settled. That's what mm. keeps you emotionally safe. And so the interdependent person is one who is able to engage in a fair interplay um, you know, in the relationship where there's mutual exchange. And it's, it's coming from a healthy place because it's not so much about I'm trying to control you or you're trying to control me. It's about you all each bringing your value to the relationship, you respecting each other's value, and, um, and, and you standing on that. And so, again, it's, it's more so about that piece where there's balance that's being presented versus, like, neediness and, and control and taking. Um, and, and codependency, too, y'all, because I do deal with some, some elements of codependency. Okay. Um, but, okay. but, but codependency. You personally? Yeah, yes. me personally. Okay, wow. Uh, okay. What does that look like, by the way, if you, if you don't mind going off? Keep your thought. But what does yeah, that look like? Yeah, I mean, what it looks like is, is in many instances, me thinking about my wife um, or other people. We call it othering. Um, before I'm thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm extending myself in ways where um, I'm all up in my wife's business. So, so, a little controlling. Yeah, a little controlling. Mm. So, so, you know, if she's, let's say, for instance, let's talk about working out. 
if I'm thinking that she should be working out and she's not working out and I'm starting to notice certain things about her, not in terms of the way that she looks, because my wife, she's beautiful as I don't know what, but, but you know, just... Nice, nice save, just, <laughs> Right, right, right. Just, just, just as it pertains to her physical well-being. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned, but I may start to be... Chastised. Not even chastising, but I may start to operate from a worrisome space and I start to do things more to try to make sure I'm taking care of her. But really what I'm doing is I'm easing my own anxiety. Yeah. Wow. So you might start saying, hey, baby, we, we eating salad tonight. So I'm going to make sure I get us a salad. I'm going to get all the vegetables. I'm going I'm to make yeah, it up for some, it. Like something some, like that? Yeah, something along those I lines. Say, I ain't saying I want no damn salad. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that. Well, let's, you want to go for a walk with me? Um, because I'm concerned about, you know, cardiovascular Why? Wait, wait, wait. Why is that unhealthy? So that in and of itself is not unhealthy, but the motivation, the codependent person. I'm thinking about like, yo, it's, it's, it's about you walking with me, but it's also about the concern that if you don't do this over a period of time. Oh, like you're doing something without me. No, what does it no, build up he, and become? Like, what, what are the issues, the ramifications that may come as a result of you not but, walking? But why is that? I'm still confused. That's, that's not unhealthy. Walking okay. is not unhealthy, but again... The desire for me, you coming with me, is not necessarily about you walking, but it's about me dealing with my concern about what physical ailments may come if you don't walk. Well, I'm codependent as hell then, if that's but the case. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me add a little bit more to it. So codependence, um, the whole notion of codependency came out of back in the day, um, a study that was done, and it started in looking at alcoholic families. Family, okay. an alcoholic parent in a family, and the family members around that person began to behave in ways to take care of the environment, the person to cover up for them. They found that, that when they followed the kids and even the parent, the mothers or the the other spouse, because it wasn't always men, the other spouse, that they were doing things to cover up for them at work or to pick them up and drag them and put them in bed or to say to the neighbors, "Oh, no, everything's fine here," to look a certain way, and then children mm. grow up like that taking care of and looking for what needs to be handled and mm -hmm. make sure everything is all right. And so what they learned after a while is that it's not just in um, terms of alcoholism, that you can be um, kind of overreaching, overstepping, overdoing. So he's giving you one example. Got but it. we have a pervasive pattern of kind of looking to see what other people need do to try to keep everything mm -hmm. okay. What happens is you don't really have a sense of who am I? What do I like? What are my boundaries? What do I need? Because you don't start there. You always start here. And Got so it. that's the pervasive pattern that happens with codependency. And the way you heal that is you start from a place of boundaries. What and A boundary is just something that helps other people know how to treat you. This works for me mm -hmm. and this doesn't work for me. And I've had so many people ask, well, how do you, how do you know how the right boundary is set and how, how much you should set it in? It don't work like that. It's, your boundary might be different than mine, right? It's about knowing self and really being able to get in touch with that. And when yeah. you're constantly looking outward at other people um, and, and that kind of thing, then you get into a habit of distancing yourself from yourself. Mm. You know? so, so it's really it's about doing it over and over again in a lot of different ways. So mm -hmm. That's just like one example, but I get it. it happens a that's lot a wholesome of ways. That's a more wholesome example, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I see how <laughs> yeah. you, you know, can really I, operate from a place That's why it's rewarded. Of... But look, it's rewarded. People rewarded in in our culture all the time yeah. because you know you you helped out and you took care of your mama, but you mm -hmm. need to set some boundaries and you did this for your family, family first. But you need to tell them no, right? Like it's rewarded all the time because you're self-sacrificing, right? Mm -hmm. But you also are not able to take care of yourself, and so the first boundary that's ever broken when people step on your boundaries is the one you have with yourself. Wow, you know. Mm -hmm. So wow. it it really is a thing that people have to be able to take responsibility for by saying, "I got to know who I am." 
them. Ask what I like and not try to see am I getting it right? Is this what? No. What do you want? What do you? And even want? with the more wholesome examples, I really want us to be cautious because even with those things, it's it's about the underlying motivation. Mm-hmm. Right. It's really about the underlying. If it starts with me trying to assuage any concerns or anxieties that I have, yeah. Then then that's where that's where the codependent piece comes into play. Like I could bring my wife slippers or a robe or a glass of wine every single day. But if the impetus or the motivation or the trigger behind that was based off of what I may have experienced in childhood, where if I didn't bring my, my mom her glass of wine or her slippers or her robe on a daily basis, I might have got spanked. If that's the motivation, the initial trigger that leads me to a place of doing something that many people would say, you're taking care of your mom. But really, I'm taking care of me. I got it. So you are operating from this place of fear and anxiety yes. versus mm-hmm. like love and care and mm-hmm. concern mm-hmm. Yes. from this person. Yes. Authentically. Mm-hmm. Authentically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to be honest. This came from like us talking about toxic things that I won't want in a woman. If, okay. that, if that's her toxic trait, I'm okay with that baby girl. <laughs> but that's Future why it's rewarding. I'll take you, baby. Okay. We'll work that one out. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> now, we, yeah. we get a, um, a lot of couples um, mm-hmm. come to us about this uh, emotional neglect mm-hmm. and um, that seems to be like a huge huge issue mm-hmm. but you know I go back and I typically think about well if you're experiencing you know emotional neglect like wouldn't this person have showed some signs of this prior you know mm-hmm. and my question for you guys do you think um, one do you think emotional neglect is typically intentional mm-hmm. and two do you think that it's even possible to recover from a history of emotional neglect if somebody is in a potentially long-term relationship. Mm. Um, yeah, and and so I'm gonna say no to the first to the no to the first part. So not intentional. Of, it's not intentional. Um, and then in terms of being able to recover, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, you know, one of the things that we've seen is is that um, a lot of times, I mean, we're all dealing with our own stuff. And so because we're dealing with our stuff and we're trying to unpack our bags, uh, depending upon what space you may find yourself in life, you're going to encounter some stuff that just may throw you back. It may throw you back. And, and you also lifted up something, too. Like, is it possible for somebody to, to um, show up or just stop being emotionally attuned or what have you phrased it? Um, a lot of times people can run fast for a short period of time. Mm. So in the beginning of a relationship, like what you're seeing is that honeymoon phase and, mm-hmm. and Slim is sprinting. She's sprinting. And so it looks good. You know, the quads and everything are on point. Everything's <laughs> popping. Like it looks right, real good. Right. And so, so you get exhausted. Everybody gets fatigued. And so it starts to subside. And then that's when you see the real person emerge. And so if he or she hasn't done their work, then, then they really may not know what true emotional attunement looks like. And so if there's an absence of that in a relationship, then that's when that self-work is required in order for you to cultivate the ability to do that. Because again, you're looking at movies, you're looking at us, you're looking at whomever else, and you're saying, I can imitate Ayizi, I can imitate Iyana for a certain period of time, but I got to actually do my work so that I can see what it looks like real time for a long period of time. Well, so, well back to the selection process mm-hmm, for that, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, like, like, why do you think people continually choose partners or significant others that aren't emotionally available? Mm. Some of that childhood trauma, unresolved issues, because we attract um, some traits in our partner that are like our parents or our caregivers. So we're either running away from or towards something that represents our primary dynamic when we were younger, away from or towards it in some way, shape, or form. So um, this is why, going back to what you were talking about earlier, you look at somebody got it all together, or got you know 80% together, good luck. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just not real life. And 
we all know how to put on a good show, but that doesn't mean that's really genuinely who we are. So the unresolved stuff happens, and when people don't actually start to figure out where their responsibility is, because when we're little and when things are happening, even in past relationships that we're unaware of, then we're just doing the best we can. But the moment you become aware, you become responsible. You're responsible for the energy you bring. You're responsible for the energy you attract. You're responsible for the way you show up, for the way you check yourself, for the way that you are honest with yourself. And so people, I can't tell you, I'm sure y'all get this a lot. You ask people, um, you know, to tell you a little bit about themselves or some of your background, your upbringing, done this a zillion times in our coaching and counseling sessions. Honey, I'm like, you know everything. Well, when I was little, I had this happen. They done wow. diagnosed it. They know it. I know it about myself. We know our stuff. We be like, yeah, and I think right here I, I had an issue because I had this abandonment. We know it. <laughs> so if you can break it down like that, mm-hmm. then you got to be able to also resolve some things like that. And yeah. this is where we stop and we don't do the work because yeah. we would rather somebody just come like a husband or a wife. And when we get triggered with that stuff, they just come on and and soothe it and make it better and, and be codependent with us, right? Mm. Or or show up and serve us in whatever way. And then that makes us feel better. But that's that surface work. Mm. That's just kind of putting a Band-Aid on instead of really doing the work. They don't want to really yeah. deal. They don't want to deal with the pain that yeah. comes with. I mean, real talk, I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? I, mm. I haven't wanted to, but I've had to if I really wanted to be, you know, connected. This man has taught me how to have an open heart. I didn't have an open heart. I was like, I'm going to get you for you get me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My daddy wasn't around like he was supposed to be. And I didn't even know that that's how I was operating. But I was. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm not the one like my, like, I, I play, play with you and you and you, but you won't be playing me. You know what I'm saying? That was my background mm. and my history based on my, just, just my experience with the first man in my life. And I wasn't trying to do that. But then I came into connection with him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he was just this. Just look at him. Look. Mm. He was just this amazing man, but he has such compassionate, empathic, like present, like, you don't scare me. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna look you right in your eyes. And I was like, what, did you, what are you doing? You know? All of that was helpful to transform me. But we have to be willing to, to actually do the work once we become aware. That's always a choice. There's a lot of people become aware, but then they don't make the choice to do the work. So you were the type that would say before. Because I, because I operate from a place of fear, because I believe that you're going to hurt me, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to jump at you first and do something harmful So as a form of protection. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's a really good example because I think some ladies were able to see themselves in that because they might also have those tendencies. Are there some other top like self-sabotaging habits that you see mm-hmm. working with couples that couples or men or women can take on that you guys have to treat like can you can you can you give me some examples off top of your head yeah i mean y'all have spoken about it extensively but but infidelity is one Mm. Um, you know, just that's self-sabotage. You oh, think, like, heck yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in one respect, you may say, you know, I'm satisfying self because I'm engaging in some gratifying act, but it's also self-sabotage in a sense because you professed and you've expressed that I want this relationship. Like most people that are in a committed relationship, um, do not want to dismantle the family. Mm. You know, you just don't want to do it. I mean, it, it costs way more. It's cheaper to keep her. It costs way more to end it than it does to put in the work to actually make it happen. And so if I'm encountering, um, you know, a situation in my relationship, which I feel is too stressful, too overwhelming, and I'm not willing to put in the work, what I'll do is I'll engage in ulterior behaviors and relationships that then actually um, lead me to a place where 
um, this relationship that I'm in, this marriage ends up, um, you know, being ended. So, so um, yeah, so that's one thing right there. You also got self, I mean, the, the go-tos, the, the substance use is another one that we see often, um, you know, men and women. But what's um, that? What was that? Substance use. He's on really? drugs. Yeah, uh, drugs, alcohol, yeah, substance use as self-sabotaging behavior. Wow. To try to disconnect, to try to to um, you know alleviate the pain and the pressures that yeah. they're experiencing. We see that all the time. Like it's, it's it's. We have never discussed substance abuse impact on relationships ever. That's oh. a we gonna cover that one. Yeah, I didn't even huge. really oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I. I like a oh wow like a man drinking he's like drinking at work and, and coming home drunk type type of situation yeah, or, or drinking at home after work and being disconnected from the children being disconnected from his wife and it's not just men it's women too women um, and substance um, addiction, abuse yeah addictions period so, wow. so pornography pornography it's escapism Got like you. you're trying to escape, escape and trying to alleviate intimacy. pain trying not to look at self like reality is so hard that I got to mute what it is that I'm feeling, and so I'm gonna use whatever substances I can to to dilute my reality. And and so yeah, so you know, gambling addictions. Like we 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 work with couples all the time around this stuff, and 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 it's hard. Let me let me emphasize that. That when you're yeah. dealing with an addiction, um, it's definitely hard to overcome, and it takes precision in order to um, to navigate that space. But the thing that I also want to elevate is that in many ways. All of us are engaged in some form of self-sabotage based off of what it is that we've expressed mm. that we want to do. So we, we, we get in the way of ourselves all day, every day. Mm. Um, and mm. so those examples are just the more extreme ones, but we all do it. Do it we in all. communication. Mm-hmm. I see, I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, um, you know, I'm just, and, and, and y'all know y'all hear this, I'm just not even going to uh, talk about it. I'm done with it because he ain't going to change anyway. Oh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she we all heard that. He ain't going to listen anyway. That's self-sabotage. So what would be the next step to get to resolution? If you ain't going to say nothing about it, then I'm, you're basically saying, so I'm just going to stay stuck too. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know oh, so it's pretty saying? much they resign and, yeah, and yeah, retire right. from even so dealing it, with the it issue. it gets me off the hook from having to deal with it, to have to put myself in a position where I'm going to maybe be triggered or I'm going to get mad or I'm going to get rejected. But I'm just going to say he ain't going to listen anyway. So that's self-sabotage because you're okay. not showing up. So arguments, because y'all, y'all mentioned that a, a few times mm-hmm. in terms of being able to be some level of benefit. But, I mean, we hear sometimes people say, hey, we don't argue. You hear that a lot. Hey, we don't even have arguments. So what would you say? I mean, is that really possible to be in a relationship without arguments? Like how, how can you make sure or rather how about this? <laughs> Are arguments usually healthy if you do it the right way? Yeah. If you if you do it the right way, there are conflict avoidant couples. So there's a type of couple that's conflict avoidant, and they value just um, kind of a harmonious energy and not too much. They get anxious uh, when you know when they're actually really getting into stuff. So they they pull back, and they both do it. And so we've, we've identified that in a lot of couples that we work with. And so they don't actually argue a lot. And we're trying to help them to have those conversations because when they don't, the stuff is stacking up and they're getting yeah. resentful over time. But they really both partner in making sure that they just do a little bit and then pull back and do a little bit and pull back. But to answer your question directly, you, you, I, I don't, we argue, okay? Yeah. But, but we have a much more elevated way of arguing now. That's the best way I can say it. I think he probably always been chill. I mean, he, he, he would tap out and roll out, but I was a little more, you know, and I've gotten a lot better. But I think that you, you have to be willing to have the hard conversations. And if people come to us and say, we don't really argue, we, the first thing I think is, 
Oh, what are they? What, they really got some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. What are they trying to get away from? I never heard it. I want because I want to talk about this because I've never heard of conflict avoidant. But you, I, I get how that can be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Is that do most people enter the relationship with that stance, or could it have been some factors or some, you know, some um, scenarios that happen along the way of the relationship mm-hmm. where people then grow to be uh, conflict avoidant? Usually, I know this. People probably hear this a lot. Usually, we develop that kind of um, uh, way of being in terms of dealing with conflict in childhood. Mm. We usually learn that from our parents or from mm-hmm. people who are around us. Uh, our, our family members or our, our primary caregivers didn't really get into stuff. We don't go there. We don't talk about stuff. So, you ain't trying to do that. You ain't trying not to. Just, just you just don't do it. We don't do that. I've never seen that done, and I don't really do it. Um, and then you may attract somebody who does the same thing. You also have um, couples who can be more hostile and who can be detached, and um, you know they can ebb and flow because their households were a lot more, you know, like mm-hmm. that. And and they still get to resolution, but it's usually what we learn as a young person that shows up later on. You know, it's funny because when I when I think about arguing mm-hmm. in my mind, I automatically associate mm-hmm. arguing with someone healthy. Because Something unhealthy. Unhealthy. Uh-huh. Because of the type of arguments I grew up seeing, even the word argue. Oh. Be, I, I don't think of myself as conflict avoiding at all. Mm-hmm. I actually think I like to... I feel very uncomfortable actually when I harbor thoughts that I'm and not say it. I feel that feels more unnatural to me actually. Mm-hmm. But the concept of arguing, especially in a way where like we're raising our voices right, right. Mm-hmm. and we doing this, and I think that my mind just completely. Goes I don't even like place. to use the word argue mm-hmm. because that's what I associate. Yeah, we're arguing. I, it's more like I like to. Talk it out. Yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever yeah. we're going to do. Yeah. But because yeah. that to me, and I think me, just me personally, that's even one of my like hard mm-hmm. boundaries in a relationship of, of something I just can't deal with a woman. And that's probably mm-hmm. just more uh-huh. so because of what I grew up seeing. You're probably right. You're I probably can't right. deal with no woman yeah. that so, can't solve issues without raising her voice. So, mm. so I, I think that it's great to have that boundary um, yeah. in place and to have that understanding of self. I think that it's equally as important to have uh, relationship elasticity. Stretch. Relationship elasticity. Okay. And, 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 and what I mean by that is that, that make room for the fact that if it does happen, what does the bounce back game look like? Like, what does the, what, what the recovery look like? And so what right. we often say in our community is that uh, my wife and I, we've got it down to a point that even the most extreme of extreme situations where we're beefing, we're going back and forth, and there's an argument, um, it will last no more than three days. Mm-hmm. No more than three days. If that. And, and yeah, if that. If that. And, and so that's, that's the most. When we first started, I mean, we had people inside of our community, like, they came in talking about, I'm not talking to my woman for a month. Wow. I'm not talking to my woman for six months. We haven't had sex in years. Mm-hmm. And so, so, again, we're trying to condense and collapse time and say, if you can get that thing down to three days max, then you're good. If it even has to go three days. But, but to avoid it completely, because, I mean, we're people. And so we're going to have frustrations that need to be expressed and, mm-hmm. and our voices yeah. may get raised. But what's the relationship elasticity and do you trust that y'all can bounce back after y'all stretch. And that's mm. the part. You said trust. Do you all trust? Do you trust <clears throat> that that person has your best interest at heart ultimately overall, even in this moment we're disconnected? So even though that may be a really hard 
place for you. If you have that trust, then you can make room for, you've got to make room for each other to be human. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we therapists mm-hmm. and, and, and coaches, right? But I still get in my feelings, and I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So we have to be willing to do that, because if we don't, and we say, uh-uh, that's it, I'm not dealing with that. You know what? It's, if we give hard boundaries around stuff like that, and I've done it, it says more about us than it does about our partner. Mm-hmm. Because, because our partner can do whatever, but we can, have a, we can have a tap out. We can say, as my husband has done with me plenty of times, which is why I learned how to get myself together, this conversation is over. I can't have this conversation with you anymore because you're raising your voice. And then he'd be like, I'm getting up. And he just leave out. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you're not. He gone. Mm-hmm. He out the room. Mm-hmm. But we, we had that agreement when we weren't in a funky place that that wasn't going to happen. But it didn't mean that it never happened because I'm human. But then he had a resolve. Okay, I'm exiting. And he told me that that would happen ahead of time. So I was like, I know he didn't. But I knew he did, and I stopped doing that shit too because he was not <laughs> going to continue to engage me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. how do we both stretch and still mm-hmm. preserve a sense of like feeling respected and a, a, a decent boundary, but not so hardcore that like, you know? Because I think that's where relationships fall apart. And they don't have to. Okay, yeah, we okay. A, we had a debate. It, that, that was kind of like what we was debating about yesterday. Yeah. In our live, we were talking yeah. about how just in general, because we're divorcing at such a high rate in our culture, Uh Mm -hmm. we were talking about how we just pretty much are just weak. And we Mm -hmm. don't really, I didn't realize that was the phrase, we're not very elastic Mm -hmm. in relationships. Mm -hmm. So like, it's like, matter of fact, we probably should be stretching here, we should (laughs) be right here. (laughs) That shit stretched past here, we out of here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We said we we, we, we cutting ties. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, I think, you know, Sometimes it's, it's called for, but for sure, yeah. it is. There are times, mm-hmm. it's you know, it, it and but other times, I, I think again, we don't necessarily have that ability to stretch. Mm-hmm. What is it? Because when I think about our families, the first person I think about is our families. Mm-hmm. That is like the first place we have the most elasticity mm-hmm. with your mama, yeah, mm-hmm. with your crazy mm-hmm. ass daddy, mm-hmm. Right? right? Your sisters, your brother, mm-hmm. we're willing to stretch mm-hmm. and deal with some of the most toxic, crazy mm-hmm. things, and we're gonna mm-hmm. love those people regardless. Yeah. Even if the relationship is not in the best place, mm-hmm. we still probably going to do things out of love for those people, mm-hmm. especially if they need us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the love, the love side of it with mm-hmm. your partner, we lose that level of, of elasticity and that will to bend with those people. Why, why do you think that is? So for me, I always go back to, because um, when I, and I said this earlier, so I already said it, but it's really profound if you really think about it because relationships are not a place where you go to get where you go to receive relationships in general and intimate relationships specifically are a place you go to give and to grow Mm. so if my mindset if i if i work with that thing i had to work with it for a long time because i don't like it but i know that's what it is if i know that i'm going here to to give and to grow then at some point when i'm not as mad i ask myself what could i have done differently what could i have given where do i need to grow what i know about myself already and even if I can't say it to him, you know, I go write in my journal and then I might send a text or write it in the car because I'm still growing and I'm still maturing and I can't say it because I'm, I'm mad. You know what I mean? Right. But if you have that as a baseline, right, then, then you, and you know that about relationships, then you actually start to show differently. Most people really do believe you need to make me feel better. We, we did an um, Instagram um, reel. Um, it was about infidelity. And one of the points on there was... Um, your partner is not responsible for your healing. Your healing. 
People are like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? They, if, they, if they cheated on you, they are not responsible for your healing. Oh, I know wow. you didn't say that. How you going to say that? What are you talking about? They did this. Because them making amends and them doing their work has is separate. And it, it may impact you in your healing, but that's their process and their work. They need to make amends. But you, you have to do your work and you have to get your healing because some of us going to be stunted for a year. Some of us are going to be for five, six if we let it because we already had issues because we're individuals and I have to get my own healing. I got to do my own work. True. You know, and he can't do it for me. You know what I'm saying? He can just be an aid or if he's not being an aid in the process, then I need to make a choice and move on. But I'm still responsible for it. That's because I know I've got to to uh, to give and to grow. I'm not trying to get and take and just that's that's the that's the um, what you call that? That's the, the, the little ice, icing on the top mm-hmm. when you get all that goodness, you know. Now, um, one of our most epic episodes of all time was when we had Jeremy Anderson and Pastor Tim Ross on the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a show about, you know, uh, masturbation, you know, sexless marriages, that type of deal. And, and in this conversation alone, you mentioned good sex. Mm-hmm. And then you, on the other hand, mentioned you, you guys have experience with couples who have sexless marriages. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk about this just a little bit because we're the conversation we're having is, are you really ready for mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. So all of these people involved in these relationships, erectile dysfunction, uh, sexless, not having enough of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, we talk about being financially ready, mentally ready, mm-hmm. but we don't really talk about being sexually ready. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the prospect of this, like <laughs> me having to be ready to one, have sex with one woman for until, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and then let's be real, if, it's, if it was solely up to my pleasure, we can go every day. Mm-hmm. But to please a woman and to make sure she gets to the finish line, that's some tough work. And if your woman wants to have sex three, four times a week, that's a real <laughs> mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not, 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 we're not even talking about the affection portion, the yeah. warmer portion as mm-hmm. well. So realistically, I mean, as a man specific, I'm asking you, mm-hmm. how do I prepare myself sexually mm-hmm. to make sure I'm ready to dive into this marriage and perform? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. And I, and I do think that, as I mentioned, normalizing um, dysfunction or, or, or tension in a relationship earlier, I think also normalizing the fact that we experience changes um, in our life and in our bodies as we get older. Um, that's a normal thing. That's mm. a normal thing. And so, so I know some people may speak to the contrary, but more often than not, what I see is that as men age, um, they start to experience some challenges. Not that it's a guarantee, but again, that's on the horizon, not just for men, but for women also. Mm. That's, that's on the horizon. Okay. That's on the horizon. It's coming whether we like yeah. it or not. Whether you like it or not. I mean, libidos are going to change. They're going to fluctuate. Sometimes it might be higher. Sometimes it might be lower. So again, normalizing that piece and just knowing that your body will change is one thing. Um, the second thing that I would say is that, you know, when it comes to you actually um, preparing yourself mentally and emotionally, of course, I mean, it's the go-tos. The diet is important. Mm. The exercise is important. Making sure that you get the blood flow. Um, making sure you're drinking the appropriate juices and that type of thing. Um, the other piece, too, is that you have to practice. You have to practice. And so, again, engaging in intimacy with your woman. I wouldn't even say, we say that when it comes to being in a marriage, um, a healthy, sexual, sexually satisfying marriage, and this will probably shock you, um, folks are having sex anywhere from four to eight times per month. Wow. Four okay. to eight per yeah, month. Four to eight. So that's like two times a week. Mm-hmm. Right, on average. That's on average. Or once on a week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Once or twice a week. Like in terms of like a, a relatively healthy and stable marriage, mm-hmm. um, once to twice a week, folks are saying that they're good. And so when okay. you're saying anything yeah. less than that, is that considered unhealthy? 
So, so I would. It, it really depends on the couple. It I got depends you. on the couple. Okay. So, some couples might go once every other week, and you also have cycles at play too. So, but then that also doesn't negate the fact that you can engage in intimacy without intercourse. Mm. And so we do say that you definitely want to make sure that you're engaging, um, you know, at least once or twice per week. Um, and if you do more, that's, as my wife just said, the icing on the top. Okay. Um, and so so preparing yourself for that, I think it, it, it reduces the expectation and the pressure too, mm. and the pressure. And so again, diet, exercise, engaging when you can, and then expanding the definition of intimacy. Mm. I just said a second ago, intimacy can exist without penetration. And so to touch foreplay extensively, whatever it may be. Like there's a number of different things that you can do that doesn't require that. So if you are starting to have challenges, being overly communicative about that is extremely important. And then finding ways that your woman can be satisfied outside of your penis. Like you have a mouth too. Um, yeah, use yeah. that. I, I get, so this is the thing. I'm just glad you kept it real because mm-hmm. women, they're having an issue with men having issues, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, not, and not just performance the issue is the man being willing and open to communicate and actually go to address the problem Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna ask you because i want you to keep it real you because y'all been keeping it 1000 ayana Mm -hmm. do you think that if a woman considers her man a good man but before she commits to a long-term relationship there are already instances of erectile dysfunction and Mm. some sexual concerns if he's a good man, should she still risk and go ahead and agree to that long-term relationship? This man's good sex over here, so I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is going to go. <laughs> so, I, 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 I think it's not a black or white answer. I think that she... Wait, hold on now, because first off, what? you could be broke. That's what you said. I was about to say that, yeah. I, so I you said, but now, like it's mm. not black and white. Mm. So it's, it's not black and white. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Well, it's essentially, I'm getting to the same thing, though, y'all. So is he, is he being open and sharing and talking with you about it, right? You, you're, you're not yet in a committed relationship, or you're, you know, you're looking at going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Are you all openly talking about it? Even if he's uncomfortable, is he willing to go to the doctor? Is he sharing with you what's happening? Because people, I have seen people in relationships, in marriages, where the, the man is so shut down because he has so much shame, so much just discomfort. It just is like, this oh, is yeah. awkward-ass territory, right? Oh, yeah. talking about manhood. this, Right? Yeah. yeah, and he just don't, will, not, will not talk about it. And they are just kind of stuck in that space and so I would say if you're in a, in a space where you're not yet you know you've not made the decision to be with that person um, in a committed way you want to see how they're showing up to deal because that's going to be a huge that's going to be a huge impact it's again are you open are you willing are you self-aware people be acting like the penis in the, the penis going in the vagina is the, is the only thing there is as mm-hmm. I used to say there's so much more to intimacy and that's the other thing men a lot of times can't get emotionally attuned they can't slow down they can't actually you know kind of like listen to their woman and her breathing and be in alignment because they haven't done it with themselves so that's the other thing I just want to just add on there like I mean I, you should be masturbating I'm just saying mm. you should be doing that and you should be figuring out what pleases you, how to please yourself. Right. Even outside of just touching your penis, like you have a whole body. Like if you don't do those things, if you don't have that kind of a sensual exploration, if you don't do that, <laughs> though. <laughs> walking a man, see your man. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out. I never what? heard what? of masturbate of, of, of kind of exploring your body. Oh, outside yes. of yes yeah have y'all heard people say that to women 
explore yourself, yeah, learn your body. Yeah, yeah. Why men can't do it? That's why y'all I men that can't meant- please women a lot of times because they don't have that. They're not in touch with your, their own sensual selves. You can't yeah. give anybody what you don't have. And you can't share with anybody what you're not exposed to. And the first level of exposure is always ourselves. So I'm just like, what do you like? What does it feel like to you when you touch right there in between mm. there and there? You know what I'm saying? So if you do that with yourself more and men get out of this, you know, whatever they're, oh, yeah. that's, that's gay or that's this or that. Stop men, all of that. Men got you the know? designated strike zone is the penis. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. boring as hell. Ryan Ryan about to have some fun in the shower tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my coaches, they told me to do this. Research purposes only. Self-healing tonight. It's self-healing. I'm for real on that, though. So that's interesting. And Mm -hmm. and, and that just shows, it kind of goes back to that early question I asked. When it comes to which problems hold the most weight, Mm -hmm. is it money or intimacy? And they seem damn near just as important to the health of a relationship, which is just crazy to me. Mm -hmm. That sex is literally that important. It to is. the health of a relationship and we got yeah. women all inside of our messages the dms they yeah. just letting us know yeah. my man has erectile dysfunction they got mm-hmm. me scared it is I'm not like, working that erectile dysfunction it seemed yeah. like everybody got it Yo, i'm like damn is it the chinese food like what is it yeah. boy because we might have to look let, look put supplements <laughs> In the comments, if y'all need us <laughs> to get y'all some supplements, yeah. let us know Fact. if that the solution. Is this the problem? Because this, I mean, that's just not something we want it's happening. A, it's a big deal because think about this. That, that your sexual intercourse and being sexually intimate and emotionally intimate, but particularly sexually, it is the, that if you're married, that's the only person you get to experience that with. In the world, you mm. can experience emotional intimacy with everybody else. You can be really cool and really close to somebody. You can tell other people your closest secrets. But who do you experience sexual intercourse with? What distinguishes your relationship from everybody else's? That's it's a sex. great point. And if you don't have that, then this relationship, like like me and some of my close wow. girlfriends, sex is what makes our relationship you know? unique. It yeah, really that's is, very true. And, we, and it's levels to it. Mm-hmm. So mm. level up. I, I do want to say this though, like, and I want to be fair to the people that are in this space and they're relatively new in their relationships. If you're dealing with something like this, and you're clear that that this is something that you can't deal with long term, um, even if he is putting in the work, even if he is seeing a therapist, even if he is getting sex education, that you just you you can't live on this roller coaster ride for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Then then I would say it's it's at that time where you should really reconsider. Right. The relationship, and I would say even with the finances too. Like you know, if it's herky jerky, and and um, you know you've dealt with it for some time, um, and at the same time too, like you're clear that I don't want to be on this roller coaster. Like I want more stability. Mm-hmm. So even if he has all of this stuff, like this, what I really need right now is more stability. Then then it's time to like reconsider. You got to be very re- clear. Sounds like yeah, on what you yeah, want. Yeah, you got to be clear about what you want. And so what we speak often about is is um, you know of course having the willingness to work. But some people are very clear that I don't want to deal with this, and yeah. we're not trying to pressure you into we a space. Right there. Like you know, where you you have to you have to be stuck, or you have to be there when you know you really don't want to. Mm. Like that's unhealthy. Yeah. Do you want to do it? Let me tell y'all. <laughs> listen, if we had, I know y'all pressed for time. If we had some more, <laughs> trust me, I would have ate it up because I got about thirty minutes more game <laughs> at least. But I know y'all. Look, they came all the way to kick it with us here from LA. And y'all, a special <laughs> request by the way, our YouTube members, we getting very active with them mm-hmm. in finding out exactly the type of content, mm-hmm. exactly the type of guests they want, and. uh this for y'all. So y'all wanted the top Thank requested you. couples. Thank we you. brought them to the show. Yes. So yes. you see that we deliver. Thank mm-hmm. you to our YouTube.
two members. And if you want to join, click the link below. Mm -hmm. And listen, it's not even over. Yes, the YouTube membership is one of the major values we have and how we are building this community. But we decided to give y'all something extra special from this amazing couple here because they're doing some major work in our community. They are actually getting their hands daddy yeah. working hands on mm -hmm. with couples right. helping rebuild and build relationships oh, yeah. and we actually put something special here for you guys i'm gonna let you guys talk about the program that you guys have yeah so we have an amazing program it's our blam core individual and relationship transform transformation program mm -hmm. um it's a group coaching community where we offer a men's lounge twice per month a mm. sister circle twice per month we have monthly virtual date nights uh, we also have monthly relationship expert trainings where either my wife or my or my wife my wife or myself will teach we also bring experts out from outside the community into the community to teach we have live classes um, we got so much more we got ambassadors across the country to do local meetups yeah. um, it's a real live legit community and so so we want to invite y'all to definitely come in and we got we do have something special for y'all something yes. really special is being a part of this fabulous community right here we're going to give you a $100 discount that's um, dope. $100 off that's dope if you decide to join through the unique link provided to these brothers right here like yeah. we love that they mm -hmm. all listen our audience is die hard. Mm -hmm. Like, we, I mean, we've been getting so many I love y'all, I love yous in the mm -hmm. comments. It's insane. So one of the things they told us that they trust me and Todd to bring in the right people and to get them the right resources. And uh, we appreciate y'all for doing that for them. And we just oh, ask that you guys just continue not just to, you know, watch these videos, which is a very important part and learn, right? And take this step to invest in your relationships but actually invest your resources in your relationships. Take it to the next level. Bring experts into your relationship so you can get a level of depth mm -hmm. into your healing and your repair so you can get mm -hmm. success out of the most important relationship you will ever have. Yeah. So this is not a joke. This oh, is no. not money. This is not a luxury expense here, y'all. <laughs> right. This is directly corrected to, uh, related to exactly the success spiritually, mentally, physically, everywhere else. Yes. Yeah. So I appreciate y'all for putting this together oh, for the people, man. Oh. Yeah, we know that the people need it. And um, I mean, we're here to help. Like this right here, we're trying to break generational curses mm -hmm. and, and communication, connection. Like our three pillars that we stand on are commitment, communication, and connection. Like mm. those three pieces have to be present in order for you to have a healthy relationship with other people, but also a healthy relationship with self. That's and right. so so this is one way that we do that through our Blam Core um, group coaching community. And it's yeah. not, and it's us. It's, it's us that's in it. Mm -hmm. and, and we have real talk and yeah. we're building. Excellent. Like it's us. <laughs> I can't yeah. emphasize that enough. Yeah. Well, listen, the, uh, for those of you who are interested, by the way, just look in the description. We're gonna have the link right there for you. Nice and easy. You can click it and join here today. And for the Harley Initiated family, we're going to have something special just for you guys. He put a special price there just for you guys. So you can go ahead. I want you guys to take action on that today, Facts. especially if you know it's for you and you know you need it. Do not procrastinate on that. But thank you guys so much here for spending time with us. Thank you for oh, having us. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm hoping this is not the last time we have you here. Facts. You know, y'all got, got a, a child over here in the city of Clark yes. Atlanta. Yes. Okay. Yes. So y'all better be visiting. We got two more, got two more trying to, to come too. So yeah. Okay. We all come. Yeah. We all come eventually. Yeah, so, so, so let yeah. us know. Yeah. We're going to be. Y'all got a spot with us. Yeah. Always got to open invitation here and listen thank you guys for tuning into another episode of hardly initiated all right we are out <laughs>